Okay, so there's something I was saying last live stream that I didn't really elaborate upon as much as I wanted to. I kind of got sidetracked. I was saying something about philosophy of religion because it's an interesting subject, but it's not always helpful if you're just sort of like an anti-theist or if you're worried about the influence that religion has over people socially or psychologically, which has always been like, you know, kind of a central part of the podcast. But, you know, there's there are things of value in philosophy of religion. It's just that they don't do a very good job of communicating you know, philosophers of religion don't do a very good job of communicating their ideas and sort of the relevance of their field to something that basically everyone's interested in, which is religion. Um, you know, most people, most people, not just atheists or theists, but like most atheists and theists don't think that the questions that we're dealing with that, you know, everyone thinks about to some degree or another really warrants the amount of analytical rigor and, you know, kind of philosophical precision that philosophers of religion think that it warrants. The thing is, like, like I said, they're not very good at communication and they're not very good at kind of selling people on a basic premise, which that's what I, I got sidetracked on last time, which is that I've just seen a lot of, you know, philosophy of religion folks online just kind of browbeating people who, you know, kind of don't respect their authority or don't respect the authority of other philosophers of religion. And the thing is, like, most people are not sold on a basic premise that you've bought into as a philosopher of religion or as a sophisticated theologian or apologist or counter-apologist or what have you. Like, you think that there's a there there, and most people don't. Like I said, most people don't think that it warrants the amount of, you know, analytical philosophical depth that, you know, someone like Graham Oppie or Sobel or Mackey like brings to the conversation. Like, and I'm saying that I, I think there is something there, but you have to be willing to translate that work into something that people can understand. And you also have to, this is something they never do. This was the, like the main point that I was trying to get at. You have to sell them on the premise that there's something worth studying here. You know, you have to convince people, you have to justify the existence of your discipline. Okay, so there are basically two parts to this live stream that I wanted to, two things I wanted to cover. The first thing is just about some, like, social issues with Gen Z and millennials because they're the least, the least religious two generations. And uh, I've just seen some people argue about why that is and... I just wanted to contribute to that a little bit because I think some people are like way off the mark. And then for the second part, I wanted to talk about an argument for God that's actually pretty good. And the structure of the argument is, is the reason it's good and it can be applied to a few different things. But um, yeah, we'll come to that in the last half because I think less people will be interested in hearing about another argument from consciousness. But I think it's important, though, because it's a whole it's a style of argument that can be applied to more things than just consciousness. Like I've also seen it applied to fine tuning. You know, it's just weird. It's weird to see an argument for God that actually works, even though it is really weak. But um, we'll come to that for the last half of it. So this is from Barna, uh, Barna Group, which, if you don't know, is like the Christian Pew or the Christian Gallup. Um, and they do good work. But they say, quote, the percentage of Gen Z that identifies as atheist is double that of the U.S. adult population. 
end quote. So someone mentioned this on Facebook and an argument broke out, you know, why are Zoomers abandoning Christianity and, um, you know, millennials to a similar extent. So I've always had the same answer to this. It's been basically gay marriage. Like, I think that society has like morally progressed to the point where it just strikes people as so comically absurd that anyone opposes gay marriage or equal rights for gay people. Like it just seems to younger people, it seems so arbitrary and so obviously wrong. And a lot of older people still hold, I mean, it's only like, I think gay marriage last I checked only has like 60% approval, like 60 or 70, which is crazy to me. Um, you know, obviously that's only going to trend in one direction. Yeah. And Christians, like they so prominently opposed gay marriage and opposed equal rights for gay people that it's like, unless you're just a deliberate liar, like say Cameron Bertuzzi or William Lane Craig, <laughs> you're just, there's no way around it. Like we all saw it, like we all saw it and it's just, it's there. It's on the record in so many different places that you can't there's just no getting around it. You know, like Christians were on the wrong side of this one. And I just, I, I hope they don't get away with it. Like they got away with the slavery thing. Like they opposed the abolition of slavery and then they just completely rewrote history to act like they were the ones like leading the charge. And like, it was the Christians who like ended slavery. Um, I kind of hope that, you know, there's just so much information out there just between like, the internet and, you know, widespread literacy. And I just kind of hope that maybe things will be different this time and they won't get away with it. But there have already been some worrying signs that they are going to not only get away with the fact that they just completely oppose gay marriage and they're just going to pretend they never did that. Um, they might even try to take credit for, you know, advancing, uh, advancing, you know, social norms in that direction. So I always thought that was the biggest one um, because there's just such a monumental shift of opinion between Zoomers and Millennials and Xers and Baby Boomers. Another thing is um, I think that 9-11 had something to do with it. I think that people were like, I think 9-11 kind of like, I mean, just to be clear, I was six when 9-11 happened. So I don't really know what a pre 9-11 world was like, but based on what I've read, it seems like it kind of broke everyone's brain for a little while. And I think that one of the things it did that, you know, wasn't bad is that it kind of broke the taboo of criticizing religion in such a way that it was like, you could point to religion having negative effects. And that was like an acceptable opinion to have in like the mainstream. Whereas when you read like atheist stuff, prior to 9-11, it seems like it was more of a, you had to be kind of a firebrand, like it was more of a fringe position to say that like religion is harmful. So I think that Zoomers and millennials kind of just grew up in a world where it was, you know, way more acceptable just to be like religion is harmful, at least some of the time. Um, now, okay, here's what I think the wrong answer is. This is what made me, like, kind of want to talk about this. Okay, so basically it was just Trump. Like, that was the answer that I kept seeing over and over again, is that, like, evangelicals support Trump, 
um, young people are generally anti-Trump and you know, that's, that's it. And it's like this trend predated Trump. Okay. Like this was already happening before Trump. Um, by the way, I'm technically a millennial. I'm like the, the lowest possible end of the millennial spectrum. I'm like right at the cutoff between zoomers and millennials. Um, but so I don't really relate to older millennials and I also don't have that much in common with zoomers, but, um, Anyway, I don't think Trump has very much to do with it because Gen Z, like, as far as I can tell, a lot of them aren't pro-Trump. I mean, some of them are, but, like, they don't have, you know, they don't have TDS, man. They just don't have it. Like, that is a is an affliction that affects mostly boomers and Xers and a certain type of millennial. Like, they don't have this kind of, like, insane hatred like that just this all-consuming like psychological force like this hatred for trump like zoomers as far as i can tell again they're not pro-trump but they're not like so deranged by trump that like they that it's changing their opinion about religion like because of the association of trump and evangelicals like that's just not what's happening in my view so oh yeah and also in this barna study um Quote, Gen Z non-believers appear less likely than non-Christian adults to cite Christians' hypocrisy as a significant barrier, end quote. So, it, it kind of implicit in the, oh, Trump and evangelicals are like this. So, you know, part of that has to do with like, well, you know, some kind, it seems like there's an implicit, like, accusation of hypocrisy there. And Gen Z, like, they're, they're saying that they're less likely than boomers and Xers to to cite Christian hypocrisy as a reason why they're not a big fan of religion. Okay, so the last thing I had here, like I said, I think it's mostly changing social mores. That's that would be the first one. The second one would be just we live in a post 9-11 world where the view of religion, it's like it's not as you know, new atheism sprung out of the aughts. And I just think that it's um it's more of a mainstream position to to at least say that some religions are harmful, you know, possibly all of them are harmful, at least some of the time. And from, I mean, from what I see, like, it was just, it was so different. Like, speaking of reasonable doubts, I remember the host, the co-host, Jeremy, talking about how <laughs> he would say he was an atheist to open gasps in the room in the 90s. And it's just like, I can't even relate to that. Like, you know, I grew up in a really religious environment, like a really evangelical fundamentalist environment. And, uh, you know, that's never happened to me. Anyway, it just sounds like it was different. Like religion was sort of more of a sacred cow um, than it is now. It still is, but it was more of one. Um, and I assume 9-11 had something to do with that, but I don't know. Um, but the last thing I wanted to mention, the third thing, is the third cause is exposure to atheists in other religions so like we're extremely well connected um not in any deep or meaningful way as a society but we're well connected superficially and you're exposed to different viewpoints like you know it's just it's a more diverse environment you know especially online and you know, you're exposed to Muslims and Hindus and Jews and Christians and, um, 
and atheists and agnostics. And, you know, like I, I don't think I ever even met an atheist. If, you know, if they were an atheist, I didn't know they were an atheist. Um, I don't know until I was a teenager, you know, and that's not the world that zoomers, um, have grown up in, you know, so just there's exposure and contact with atheists. Um, and once you just see that they're normal people, you know, living normal lives, just, you know, humans like anyone else, then I think that that has a pretty profound psychological effect. You know, I think that, um, that social psychology research has, has shown that like contact and exposure with, with people makes you significantly less likely to hate them or have biases against them. My, uh, girlfriend, she grew up in a house where all of her older siblings kind of had a different religion, like not that different, but, um, you know, different enough that it was constant like cause for arguments. You know, she just grew up in like a multi-religious environment and, you know, she was non-religious before she even turned, you know, 19 or 20. I think that not just exposure to atheists, but exposure to just other religious views, you know, like the plurality of religions is highly unlikely on theism. If you ask me, like, it's exactly what you'd expect on naturalism. You'd expect no one to have the same answer about anything, basically. And that's what we see. And if there is a God, an omnipotent, omniscient God, who's trying to communicate his revelation and failing to do that, like he's, he's attempting to communicate his revelation. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He created us. He created our minds and he's just failing as badly as he appears to be failing. There's just something that is so implausible about that. And plus it's like, especially if you believe in hell or something like that, like, yeah. So I think that there's so much confusion and diversity within Christianity and within theism that it just kind of makes a young person just kind of think that they're all true or none of them are true. Or that maybe like something is true. See, that that's another thing is that there seems to be like this weird, like new agey, like spiritualist, you know, attachment to like astrology and other things like that that seems to be on the rise. And, you know, among Zoomers. And it's like, it really makes me, it has made me change my mind on a question. Because I used to just kind of get it. Oh, my God.